Welcome down to Security Rabbit Hole to yet another edition of the Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. This is Raf, the host with the uh, almost. <laughs> I'm funny. I tell dad jokes periodically, but only when I'm in my element. That's what my new T-shirt says. It's great. Um, all right, on the show today, we're going to cover a follow-up from the last episode, Mr. Tuma and I did, uh, that talked a little bit about cyber insurance. And uh, Sean, welcome back, Tuma. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right. Good to good to have you as always. Uh, man, you're like a repeat offender. Uh, let's come back for more. You just don't learn. All right. Excellent. And then and just to make things slightly less and more complicated, we have another Sean. Uh, we just we just learned he's named after the Sean Connery. So definitely a different lineage than you two. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, um, I have nothing on that. Less John Wayne and, and more proper English. Uh, you know, whatever that means. Uh, Sean, welcome. Introduce yourself. Sure. My name is Sean Scranton. I am currently an underwriter of cyber liability for RLI Insurance, uh, but my uh, past say lineage uh, covers firewalls, uh, audits for large organizations, banks, uh, government agencies, uh, and then before that, I was a humble network administrator for a few years. So, been doing this for about twenty-five or so years, um, and Loving every minute. So an underwriter for cyber insurance, yep. uh, that makes you exactly the perfect person to, uh, to, to talk to because there are so many um, suppositions, guesses, myths, legends, and fairy tales around cyber insurance, uh, not the least of which is probably one Sean has heard too many times. Can't I just buy cyber insurance and forget about doing security? Uh, let's go ahead and just tell people no <laughs> right off the bat. No. The answer is no. Bad. But how bad, many times bad. have we heard it okay. at like real legitimate conferences and places where you expect people to understand these things? You know, um, just because you have car insurance doesn't mean you can play Demolition Derby on the streets. I, I'm just <laughs> saying, although people do. <laughs> people do. So, uh Two, we, we've got a couple of things that we want to cover. So two big myths, right? Cyber insurance doesn't pay. Uh, does it? When does it? When does it not? Because we've heard a lot of, of, of sort of uh, secondhand myth uh, or we'll say hearsay around uh, you know, cyber insurance does, isn't really paying out. It's You can buy it, but it's not going to do you any good. You should, don't really need it. And then there's people that will tell you that's all they get. Uh, and then they, they let the dictate. What's the what's the reality behind that? How, does, does cyber insurance actually pay out? It does. And first, first, before I get started, let me let me say that um, 
I do need to note that what I say are, are my own opinions and statements. Um, ah, excellent. And, so, and do not represent RLIs. So. There <laughs> um, you go. Let, let it be known. Thank you. But uh, from, my, from my experience, yes, it does. Um, and I think uh, if, 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 you're, if you're watching this and you're approaching your renewal or you've applied for insurance, uh, you might see there have been some price increases this year, and I think we're going to talk more about that later. <laughs> yeah. um, and those price increases are a reaction to the claims that insurers or insurers have paid. So I guess I would say if if insurance has not been paying, then there really wouldn't be any reason to to raise the prices. Um, but fair, fair I, I think as as you'll see, and, and a lot of it is driven uh, is driven by ransomware. Um, okay. The ransomware that you see in the headlines. Um, it's, 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 it's really impacted, um, you know, just, just across the spectrum, you know, even down to the, you know, to the, to the one person business all the way up to, to the large, you know, fortune 50 enterprises. Um, right. and so, you know, from a, from an insurance standpoint, um, you know, just like, just like your car, if you want to go play demolition derby, you know, that's, that's okay, but your, your rates are probably going to go up. And yeah. so that's, that's, that's yeah. kind of the market we're in with, with cyber. Okay. So there was, there was the famous case and, and too much, I think you and I talked about it uh, and I can't remember which, exactly which one it was, but it was a company that got breached uh, and the government later, it, some, some uh, was either, I want to say it was either Mandiant or CrowdStrike. One of the, I think it was CrowdStrike that issued that uh, report that said it was a nation state. And then suddenly it went from, we're paying this to, Oh, we're not paying this because this is an act of terrorism or what was the clause Tuma? Oh, it was was a uh, real estate policy, I think, or it was a property Property policy policy. that they were trying to get coverage on under, I'm forgetting the name. Um, Mondelez. yeah. Mondelez. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody took that and they're like, see, look cyber insurance doesn't pay when you really need them. And they they didn't dig that next step down to say, you know, well, wait, you didn't have a cyber policy. You had a had property coverage and of course not. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) But it shows you how a narrative gets built on misinformation. I mean, I know none of us can believe that happens, but a narrative can get built on misinformation and then start propagating itself. And people started to believe that. And that's, and that's a, that's a good point where, you know, that case, it was, it was a case of a, a company was, attacked or, or had, a, had an incident and they looked and, you know, maybe they didn't have cyber insurance or maybe they didn't have as comprehensive cyber insurance. And so they looked to see what other policies would cover it. And they looked at their GL, which is general liability. Uh, they looked at their, their property policy and said, okay, let's, let's throw property at it and kind of see if it sticks. Um, and, and unfortunately it, you know, it's, it, it just shows the need for more more comprehensive coverage that a cyber policy is going to bring you, and you'll you'll see now that your other policies that you may have are probably going to exclude cyber at this point. That makes sense. I mean, that makes sense, right? There's a specialized version version or product for that. Why would the others continue to cover it? And that makes entirely uh, perfect sense. Um, let me ask this. I'm curious. Is there any? Because uh, I've not had to buy it on my own in, 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 in quite a bit. And I've only advised on some of this and it's been a while. Um, is there any, uh, stipulation like you've got, you know, in my homeowner's policy, there's this like act of God, you know, uh, hurricane, that kind of thing. Right. Like if, uh, you know, if the hand of God comes down and smashes my house later, they can be like, listen, (laughs) 
Like you're sure. on your own, buddy. Are there are there the same amount of terms and conditions and exclusions and like what do you got to watch? What are the gotchas? Like what do you got to watch out for? Yeah. You know, before you jump to that, I think an important Uh-oh. point, Raph, that you're coming to. And by the way, I need to say I'm going to be quiet more here than usual <laughs> because my greatest value to this was bringing Sean Scranton to this to here to talk. That's how much he knows. But um, part of that whole Mondelez issue was the act of war mm-hmm. exclusion that yeah. you find that's in right. a property policy, but you don't find in a lot of the cyber coverage. And that's where I think that that's what really made people start saying, oh, my God, you know, if they're going to deny every cyber claim because it's an act of war, then when we attribute it to these nation states, right. you know, you're killing our coverage. So, let's, so I guess that's my question then. Sure. So let's 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 dig in and, and focus on, on the act of war piece. Um, what, what we are seeing now, especially with um, you know, I, I I deal more with with larger entities. So as as, as I mentioned, Fortune 50, we, we deal more with Fortune 50. So these are these are you know policies for very large companies. Um, what we're seeing for those for those larger revenue companies is the policies will have what they will exclude war. They they will exclude you know, and, and the language kind of varies a little bit, and that's why you have to read all you have you have to re, you have to read your policy. Um, it will exclude nation state attacks. It will exclude those kind of things, you know, war, civil unrest, et cetera. But sometimes, and I would say more usually, they will have what's known as a carve back for something called cyber terrorism. And that okay. is more for your ransomware. And so, okay. again, you, you got you got to read the policy. Um, but usually they'll, they'll have that exclusion and then they will cover. The, it'll be a carve back, which actually allows you to cover the ransomware piece. Now let's, right. let's let's broaden our focus out. As, as you said, the 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 acts of God, et cetera. I would call those natural perils, and that's going to be like your your floods, your earthquakes, those yeah. kind of things. Those things are usually excluded. Um, what is what? There's been some little headbutting uh, as recently. Our coverage is for things like, well, what about loss of the internet? Like your internet goes down. What about that? Um, what about loss of loss of power? brownouts, those kind of things, that will usually be excluded as well. A lot of that. Yeah. And I, I'm as far as the, you know, for, for smaller revenue, that's where you're going to have to read the policy because you've got, you've got 70 different carriers writing the stuff that, that I, that I help write. And there's, there's going to be about 60 different policies as, as, far, so, as, as right. far as language. Let me, let me go back and focus on this act of war thing, because in cyber, we have, had a spate of nation states sponsored or if not sponsored then sort of sanctioned attacks lately look at all the companies that got popped uh, in, in you know FireEyes, SolarWinds and the like Microsoft and down the line right all the government entities are we saying that those would not be covered so from let me let me have have another caveat here. <laughs> as far sound like a lawyer, <laughs> exactly. It it, oh, it God, really it really depends on your policy, and so take a look at your policy. The person to ask would be your broker or your agent, and talk to them and say, "I want this particular item covered," and then okay. they can work to to form that policy, just like with your auto insurance. You know, if, yeah, okay, if you want to go, if, if, if you want to go play demolition derby, then, you know, maybe you, you can, you can add some coverages, you know, you, you, you want to up your, obviously your, your premium may change as well. 
um, but maybe you want you want enhanced coverage. Um, your 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 stereo in your car. Your stereo is very valuable to you. You can add coverage right. for your stereo. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and the reason I ask is because more and more um, there there is this need in in some of these more documented, uh, more complex uh, scenarios where somebody, some company is going to come out and say, Hey, we've done the research. This was nation state actor, blah, 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 right? APT 95 or comfy, cozy bear or pink Panda or whatever the hell we've named these things. Um, and I guess that's like the dreaded death knell because if I'm going, all right, I got hacked by, you know, somebody, right. And it, and then I'm covered. But if I'm coming, if a big adversary is coming at me, wait, then I'm not covered. And I think the way I'm looking at it is from the perspective of, you know, in a security organization, I'm looking at the at the risk scale. At the bottom of it are unsophisticated attackers. In the middle are sophisticated attackers with resources. At the top are nation state sponsored. Like the bottom one, my tools and tech should take care of automatically. The middle layer my, my MSSP and my, my sock and all the other like in manual invest should eventually find and minimize the threat of that top one. Like I'm just going to admit it. Nothing I can do. That's where my cyber insurance sure. should be helping. Sure. And if the policy is excluded, that seems like a cheap shot. And I think what we're kind of dancing around here is that there is a gap between the, it, sometimes, uh, ho- hopefully sometimes not, but there's, there can be a gap between who purchases the insurance and who is directing oh, the broker yes. to buy the insurance and to affect that coverage and the people that are Fair. actually doing the, the protecting and, and know, have, have a much better understanding. Your, your CISOs have a much better understanding of the security posture and where there may be some holes and where those holes should be covered by extra insurance. Because what we're talking about here completely is risk management. And Agreed. Your, your inherent risk is mitigated by whatever controls you have in place, and what is left is residual risk. And you can choose to accept that residual risk, or you can choose to transfer it. And if you're transferring it, that's where the insurance comes in. And okay. I think an important point here is um, a lot of people don't understand this, which is why we're having this conversation, because there are companies out there where they're going online looking for some fill in the blank, boom, put in your information, spit out your coverage, which is one end of the spectrum. And then there's what Sean does, which is get on the phone with these people, go deep, deep, deep into all this. And and you've got to know what you need to know how to get the right solution. Yeah, that sounds that that sounds like it. And it it it, it occurs the 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 process I just uh, I just kind of went through that occurs at these larger organizations where there right. is there there's very good risk management going on. The, the CISOs are involved. Um, I think where where things start getting a little a little blurry is when you start getting into smaller organizations. Um, where see, maybe that does not occur and, and maybe there's not the expertise to understand these cyber policies. See, and the is, brokers that they go to yeah. may not understand. And that's yeah. a big problem. Okay. So this is where my spidey sense tingles. And I go, man, as soon as we go down market security, everything about security breaks down as soon as you leave the fortune 500. Hell, as soon as you leave the fortune 250, in a lot of cases, almost everything about the way we do security breaks down because 
my focus in my day job is on the mid-market, and that's kind of where my expertise has been anyway for the last 20-some-odd years. These companies don't have that mature enterprise risk management to CISO, to board, grouping, boardroom table kind of relationship. It is literally, in some cases, you know, three IT people yeah. and and a 75, you know, developers, whatever, salespeople, operations, blah, blah, blah. And then you've got companies that, that even if they wanted to, right, I, I work for a arguably uh, a company the size of GE. For 35 some odd thousand people, we had what, six, seven security professionals? Again, 2001, 2002, so a long time ago. But I, I know those numbers are consistent today, not necessarily there because I don't know, but in other companies of that size. So there's got, it, it's, there's got to be a, a, some way to fix this because all the tools, all the vendors, now including cyber insurance is all geared towards those big ones. And now I'm standing there, you know, I, I'm, I'm the uh, head of uh, risk or a CEO or somebody, right, uh, that's looking at a cyber insurance policy for a company of 4,000 people, uh, you know, three locations local, globally, uh, one outside the U.S., got some IT people. I've got like two or three security folks. Uh, one of them is a director, you know, has some experience. And I'm going, all right. What do I need? And and every what you're saying is everybody on the table is sort of going, uh, not quite sure. So let's 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 take a look at that and let's. I think what you're describing is the need for that holistic risk management at, at smaller yeah. companies, which is in some cases, yeah, it's 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 probably missing. And I've I've been been there too. I I, I used to audit them, so I yes I I know. Um, and I see it too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of, one of the things you can do is, you know, once once you take care of your internal internal stuff and figure out, okay, this these are where my holes are, and these are where I, I think I need coverage. And hey, maybe maybe I just want a little extra coverage, which in the cyber world we call that cat, as in catastrophe. So you know, maybe like you know, the the, the probability of me getting ransomware is real small because I have really good controls, but let's buy some insurance anyway. You know, you, you can do those kind of things too. So Says get, everyone until about 30 seconds after they get <laughs> ransomware, but we had such good security. Right. So get your, get, get your agent or your broker and hope, you know, maybe, maybe in person even and say, Hey, look, can you, can you send us some quotes? Can you send us some policies? You can then take a look at those policies. You can pick the ones that are easier to read that, that are written more, I'll say in English than others, yeah. than in than in my insurance language, right? Um, but also ask for um, I, I I call them one pagers, and usually okay. carriers will provide you with some like marketing slicks that say this is what we intend to cover with this policy, and then that way you can kind of it it, it kind of it, it's it's in English, it's 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 in layman's terms, and you can compare it with what your residual risk is, and and kind of match that up. Now, granted, if you know stuff happens. It's not going to be the marketing slicks that's going to cover you. It's going to be that policy. Yeah, right. So make, yeah. you, you still have to you still have to read. You're still responsible <laughs> to read the policy at the end of the day. So so hire hire so, Sean or somebody hey, like him. Well, here's that, an that's important a great point, point. <clears throat> that that I see a lot um, is a company has the CEO's brother-in-law who's been doing their insurance as their broker for the last forty years, yeah. and they do a great job at covering the building. And they go out to lunch and they buy drinks and they have a great time. 
And then the word cyber comes up and it's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, we got that. Yeah, whatever, it's in there. Boom, nothing more. That person is maybe great at insurance in some areas for that company, but that broker or that agent doesn't understand cyber. You need a broker or agent that understands the nuts and bolts of cyber, not just as a passing, oh yeah, we got it, but that can have these detailed nuanced conversations or else you're not going to get the insurance you need. All right. So we, you mentioned, John, that, that um, prices were going up. What's driving that? Are, ransomware. We, because, okay, ransomware. So are, do we have, fair enough, <laughs> because we're reading about it literally every day. But we've been, we've been one of the things that we, we complain about in security is that we don't have enough data. We don't have enough data to, to, to do models and predictions. Yeah. I heard this from a couple of other uh, folks that work for carriers yeah. that and, and underwriters that um, – the first couple of years up until very recently were sort of like, let's put policies out and see what happens. And then we'll sort of true up our business five years down the line. Once we have some loss data yeah. coupled with some, like what drove it, what did the company look like when it went kablooey, like all that. Are, are we at a point where we sort of, can we, can we feed data into a modeling engine that, that we have enough is what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's, and that's that's okay. I, I won't say that's okay to do that because it's probably not the way I would do it. But um, it, it it worked, I think, for a while until about 2016, 2017. And because all we were not not we, but all the industry was covering were data breaches. Right. And data breaches were a little more fortuitous. They were a little more random. Okay. Uh, they they were a little more targeted. So if you weren't in a targeted industry like retail. Um, if you were in manufacturing, yeah, you probably don't need to worry too much about a data breach. But then you have something in 2017 that comes along, pet you, not pet you, want to cry, that is completely random. It is depending upon if uh, Sally J is going to click on a link and put your entire organization at risk. So your your frequency shot up, your severity shot up dramatically, and I don't think the industry was prepared from a rate standpoint to cover that sort of random and, and I'll say catastrophe because that's kind of what when it happens to you that's what it feels like it, it has yeah. it has happened to me as well when I was in internal security ransomware it's, it's no fun it's no joke oh um, no doubt it, it feels like a catastrophe and that's that's what they're covering uh, going back to your data um, I think the larger carriers do have a lot more data than, than the smaller insurance carriers and that's an advantage for them and they can help to price that a little better. Um, but, but, but you're right, what you're seeing right now with the rise in, in rates to this, this year yeah. is due to that ransomware that has not been priced effectively. Okay. Um, so we've gotten lots more claims. Do we have, so Jeremiah Grossman, I, I had him on a couple of episodes back and we were basically talking about uh, folks, if you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to it, watch it, listen to it again. And, and the premise that we came up with is essentially uh, the cyber insurance industry is going to drive security. Like it is going to drive what happens in security over the next 10 years. Because if you can, insurance is going to become a necessary, like a necessary thing to have. You, you're going to have to have it. And in order to get an affordable rate, you're going to have to be your carrier is going to dictate, just like your carrier today probably dictates who your data breach lawyer is and what firm you can use for 
uh, forensics and incident response. Mm -hmm. They're going to tell you, these are the 17 things you must do to X level of excellence. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to afford me or I won't pay. Right. And so, it, A, do you see that happening? Yes. We, we, we actually we actually we are actually starting okay. to see that now to where some carriers are saying we are not going. And, and again, I'm 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 working in the larger market space, larger revenue market space to where we're seeing if you don't. And I'll go over these particular things. If you don't have these particular things in place, I'm not going to I'm not going to afford you coverage. Now what okay. are now what so, are those things? That's the next question. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's, let's talk about what are those things because now I'm, now I'm interested. So I feel I feel you know like we were val like our our the mentality that, that Jeremiah brought to this and I agreed with got validated just now by somebody <laughs> who clearly knows. Okay, good. We're not insane. So tell me what the what the things are. Sure. And this this is again for a, a larger revenue organization. Sure. As you go down to the where you have three IT people, this gets this gets a lot more difficult. However, you're also not as targeted either as these larger organizations are. It's, right. It's much more Hopefully. fortuitous, random, right? So, um, these uh, some of these are an aspect of COVID to where we had everybody working from home. So, okay. one of the first things I'll mention is make sure you have MFA. Multi-factor um, authentication. Okay. Exactly. Make sure you have RDP, remote desktop protocol. Make sure you have that controlled. And okay. those two things were are, are direct result mostly from. RDP definitely from from COVID because hey, what's yeah. the easiest thing you can do to allow your workers to work from home? Hey, you turn on RDP and you allow it open to the internet to everybody, and, and then get to the machines. Exactly. Yeah, lovely. Um, other things underwriters are asking about: uh, make sure you have a limited number of admin accounts. Okay. These are way easier said than done. I know. I, I realize that, <laughs> but that that those are you know for for larger organizations if you don't have those. I, I'm probably not going to write you. You know that, that that gets your foot in the door. Now somebody else might, and and that's fine. And that's that's risk tolerance varies from from insurance carrier to insurance carrier. But but here's an important reason for all this. Sean. And I got and I got some it's, more time. Yeah, I know. Y'all are <laughs> learning from real life experience based yeah. on what the losses are coming from. This isn't some sales pitch at a security conference saying, oh, these are the big risks. Y'all yeah. are seeing what's causing the actual claim. That's the interesting that's part. That's why for this me. is so reliable. Yep. That's the interesting part because there's a cause and effect now. There's you're you're doing direct cause and effect. Uh you know, we had fifty ransomware attacks, all of them uh, were the result right. of X. I'm not allowing I'm not underwriting companies that don't do X, right. the end. Right. So some more All right, give me the rest. All right, so some more things. Uh, EDR, endpoint detection and response. Okay. Ransomware. If I if I hear you have some sort of EDR that is protecting your users from themselves, which been there, done that, right? Um, great. Let's 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 have that in place. You know, that's that I think that is that is one of the larger um, mitigating controls for, for ransomware is, is is that EDR protection, something else that, that that preventive control, security awareness program, phishing education uh, instead of okay. instead of phishing training, not security awareness training, it's security awareness education, which then leads me to talk about a culture because we want to have a culture of security. We want to have that tone from the top. When I hear good tone from the top. I love my security people. I think, okay, they're going to give them resources. They're going to give them money. They're going to give them people and the process should should follow if, if they have the right people. Fair. Um, next, 
from, from Target and some of those things from way back when, vendor management program. A lot of okay. cyber coverages will include um, vendor, outsourced vendor uh, issues. So if you have a vendor go down, we call it we call it contingent business interruption, and that may what what you see in your policy. But yeah. that business interruption is 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 what's driving it. You may have a policy that doesn't even mention ransomware. And I and before this, I, I took a couple policies and I did a search for ransomware. Doesn't even exist. They'll call it cyber extortion. Okay. They'll call it contingent business interruption. They'll call it business interruption. So you have to you have to look at those terms. But I'm digressing a oh. little here. But the, the vendor management that covering those outsourced vendors, that's scary for, for cyber insurers because I have no idea what your vendors, what your security posture is like. Right. But I do know that if, if you're going to your vendors and you're asking for SOC 1s and SOC 2s and the, the SSA 18s and all those kind of things, and you got, you got your finger on your vendors, then you have redundancy, then okay, you're, you're probably a little better right than those who don't. Um, some other factors, backups, 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 yeah. and restores. I want to see those backups tested. If, if you have to have backups, period. If you, if you don't yeah. have backups, we're done. I want to hear <laughs> that you have that you have tested your restores and that they work because we've had okay. so many. Now, for larger organizations, you can get into immutable restore, you know, immutable backups to where yeah. they're off in the cloud and they're air gapped and those kind of things. Yeah. That's that that really warms my heart, and and I really I really like those obviously because then ransomware can't get at those backups, which once once that happens, you're it's it's not a good day. Um, yeah. So I, I think I think those those are the major things where, you know, at, at, at this point with our and I keep doing this with our premium right with with our prices yeah. going up so dramatically, um, if you're a larger organization that kind of gets you in the door, um, unfortunately. Um, and you'll, you'll you'll probably see uh, some some premium drops for that, but at, at this point in time, right now in, in June, you know may, maybe not a lot and until until these things kind of kind of calm down. You know what what we have here is insurance kind of runs in cycles, yeah. and what we have is is we're we're going towards the top of what they call a hard market, and you can use that language with your broker, and that's where the prices go up and. The insurers like mine, they exit the market. Um, they huh. also like mine, they, they, they constrict constrict capacity um, so that in coverages. So like in, instead of writing, and, and we, we write very large limits, instead of writing 10 million in limits, um, I'm only going to do five this year, those kind of things. So okay. it's all about a supply and demand thing. The supply is going down because of the claims. The demand, unfortunately is going up. up right and so when supply goes down and demand goes up the prices change all right let me ask a question i've been dying to ask ransoms do you do, do you do you help pay ransoms because there's been a lot of talk about this about making it illegal because it encourages more i mean let's face it you're paying terrorists and extortionists right to, yeah. to, to empower them um but in some cases if you can't you're done like that's it everybody go home we're, yeah. we're, we're closed yeah What's what's the what's the in, I don't want to, I don't want necessarily yours or companies I know you're you know you want to sure. what's your take on it personally and what do you think the industry is going to do? So uh, let's let's start with the industry. So th the industry currently they're 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 trying to get a handle on this, and yeah. as I said, you'll you'll see it in your policy. You'll see it probably more as cyber extortion than you will at ransomware, and they'll actually you when you when you say 
ransomware. That's that's what we. I'm sorry, but that's what we call a peril. And there are coverages to help you deal with that peril. And so you'll see cyber extortion, you'll see business interruption, and you'll see crisis management. Now there's about there's about five others that, that are usually in a cyber policy, but those those are the three that usually get triggered, as we say, for for ransomware. Um, from the standpoint of cyber extortion, that's the actual ransom piece. Okay, more than likely you're going to get you're going to get the business interruption and you're going to get the crisis management probably no matter no matter what. It's the cyber extortion that we're talking about here. There is an insurer. There's there's a French insurer that said we are no longer going to cover ransoms in France, and they were attacked. Okay. They were attacked by of course the, the ransomware bad guys. Yes, um, we have we have uh -oh. seen other carriers who were also attacked because they wrote cyber policies. Why? Because if I'm a bad guy and I know who you're covering and how much insurance they have, I'm going to go after them and say, hey, you know what? I want $20 million yeah. from you. Yes, because I see you have $20 million in coverage. Coverage. Which, oh, man, which goes, that's evil. Which goes back. Here's, a, here's another helpful tip. If you have a cyber policy, don't store it out on the Internet everywhere on your homepage or, or, or that kind of thing. Kind of, kind of yeah. keep it hidden and into yourself and close to the vest because if an attacker gets a hold of that, that's 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 not a good not a good day. Um, let's now let's talk about uh, should we cover this? You know, you can you can and I'll give you again a, a general kind of kind of feeling and then and my personal feeling. Um, from generally, this is very similar. It's almost identical to what they call K and R, which is kidnap and ransom. And yep. this is you know way back in the 70s, back when the U.S. said we are no longer going to pay ransom or deal with terrorists and you know, back in the late seventies and that's a policy. Thing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I think we see, we have seen some, some, some government oversight as far as OFAC. OFAC has said, um, as rather not says you can't pay ransom, but we're going to reiterate that it is illegal to send payments. And Sean, you can please jump in and, and, and help me. It is illegal to send payments to entities that are on the OFAC list. And I think what, what came out last, I think that was last October, was just a, a reiteration of that. There, there wasn't, I don't think, any extra guidance or anything like that. Interesting. So that, that makes insurers kind of, it makes me kind of antsy about paying when every time we make, yep. a, every time we pay a claim, we have to check the OFAC list to make sure that it's appropriate. Because they said not just the company, but those who are helping facilitate the payment yes. to the Thank prohibited you, entity. Yeah, that's when the insurance carriers were like, "Hold on, time out." You know, <laughs> from from my pers from from my personal perspective, what I have seen since you know 20, 2014, data breaches, monetization. How much how much is this credit card worth? How much is this medical yeah. uh, record worth? Now we get into yep. monetization of ransomware. Ransomware, uh, crypto is such a unique tool, and the uh, you know the amount of skill needed to wield that tool now is, is is very small. So you can have lots of people, lots of let's call them script kitties, right? From back in the day, um, you can have script kitties doing this, and so it's very pervasive. And I think. The only reason they do it is monetization. We don't see a lot of hacktivism with ransomware. Okay. Um, and so if you take away that monetization, I think, I personally think a lot of this would not go, not completely go away, but it would sure help alleviate it. 
as wow. far as insurers covering that. I, I think if insurers, and this is my personal opinion, if insurers did not cover ransomware, I think it would solve 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 some of these issues. It, 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 would, it, it, it would also undoubtedly put a lot of companies out of business, unfortunately. No, absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, th this is this is the problem, and, and, and I saw the guidance a couple of weeks ago. They came out and said. Uh, we're ta thinking about, you know, making it illegal, but we're going to give it a year. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I could possibly think of doing because ransomware gangs are going to go, all right, we got 12 months. Let's get it going. It's like everybody's going to get absolutely rushed to, to, to get – that's silly. If you're going to do that, make it illegal starting right now. That's right. it. You know, but I, – I think I, I, I think what we'll – so what, what we have been seeing lately um, with, with insurers is they will do things called sublimits. And we, they will do things called co-insurance, and I'll explain both of those. So a sublimit, if you have a million dollars in coverage, you know, total coverage, right? But your insurer says, you know, the real scary stuff, in order to keep your premiums low for you, we are going to apply a sublimit to the real scary stuff. And that sublimit is, say, $50,000. So, and let's say we're applying that to ransomware. So if you have a $50,000 sublimit on ransomware and you have a ransom cyber extortion, and you have a cyber extortion claim for the ransom, then they're only going to pay 50 grand. Okay. Got it. If, if the ransom, they want $7 million, well, you got 50,000 of that covered. <laughs> you're, you're in big trouble. However, right. you look on the flip side of that, if the people that are doing the extorting know these companies can't pay, now we're back into a situation back yeah. into, let's say about, oh, 20, 2016, 2017, 2018, where we had personal ransomware. Right. And you probably remember that, where yeah. it was it was kind of ceilinged at about 900 bucks. Because right. I'm not going to pay more than 900 bucks to get sad. I lost my pictures, but I'm not going to pay more than 900 bucks to get my pictures back. Right. And so then I think then we can talk about those kind of scenarios and that kind of thing. You know, you if if you have if you have somebody with with unfortunately with a laptop and and, and their and their business is on it, they may just go out of business rather than pay seven, you know, they can't pay $7 million. Yeah. So they may just go out of right. business. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. Huh, wow. Well, that's a great place to end this. Um, <laughs> good, I, I, we're gonna get you back on this show because I, I, I want the, I want a little bit of time to pass and, and, and I want us to, yeah. folks, if you're listening, I want you to think about the same thing I'm thinking about um, because it's a problem. It's. It's the enter. I don't think the enterprise is is the place of the big big pain. I think it's down market because as you go down market, yeah, I see you guys agreeing with me. As you go down market, whether it's the ability to defend yourself, the ability to sustain budget, the ability to hire and retain, the ability to operationalize and partner effectively, the ability to go look at your third parties, uh, the ability to to, to just to, to understand and buy cyber insurance and, and do all the things necessary it, it i feel like it's a it's a one over x curve right this yeah. you know initially um that that step between fortune 250 and fortune 500 there's a massive drop in capability after that it just sort of you know kind of levels off eventually you just get asymptotically closer to zero and zero and, you, and you're just like this is just not going to happen yeah. no matter you know how, how uh, small you are and i i think that's that is to me the biggest threat because there's so many mid-sized companies yeah. that are, um, you know, the the the, the um, gas line company wasn't a giant enterprise, 
right? The uh, the meat packing uh, meat company processing company wasn't a giant enterprise. I don't think so. Were they, Sean? Guys, they were not. They weren't part of the Fortune one thousand. I, I don't know. I maybe, don't, maybe, don't maybe know. not. But they, they, but, but they didn't. They, see, they, they didn't have read like <laughs> right. They didn't read like a massive company, right? Sure, they didn't sure. read like oh, we've got a two hundred million dollars uh, security budget. Um, and so then what? Right, your your local utility company, um, you know the 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 hell the, the attorney's offices, uh, the doctor's offices. The, these are not places that are affording uh, tens of millions of dollars in cyber uh, protection for themselves, much less understanding what the heck they're doing. But but uh, whether it's health and safety, whether it's national security, whether it's operational or you know life continuity, whatever they still matter quite a bit. And this is, this is kind of the, I don't know, this is, this is the part that continues to, to, to make me sad about the way this industry operates and things that are related to cyber operate is at scale at a very, at the very large end, you've got a prayer. As soon as you step out of that ring of the very, very, very big kids, you are in a world of pain and you can just sort of go, eh, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, for the longest time we were battling the issue of it won't happen to me. Yeah. You know, I mean, think back 2014, 2015, 2016. Ah, they're only going after the big guys. It's not going to happen to me. I think right. we've moved the scale a little bit uh, mm-hmm. to where we're at a point now where folks do realize it can happen to them. But, yeah. but security, look, security is incredibly complex at one end of the, of the continuum. But decent security can really be simplified in a lot of ways at the other end Fair of the enough. spectrum. It doesn't have to, it's, it's, not, it's not 70% security, but if we're taking somebody from zero to Fair 40, yeah. hey, we're improving a lot. The problem is those companies that need that, they're at a point where they realize they need something, but it's been made so complex and so yeah. out of reach for them that they don't know where to start and they don't know even some of the, the most simple steps to do to get moving in that direction. Yeah. That's, and that, that's a good point, Sean, is, you know, I think, you know, what, what that translates to me is, you know, that, that low hanging fruit, you know, that's, that's. It's it's fairly I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say easy but it's easier to address than the high hanging fruit and there's such there's such a a curve up as you mentioned yeah asymptotic there's such a curve up in resources in price to get at those uh-huh. you know much higher priced security tools to to reach that high hanging fruit yeah and guys we've we've all talked about this and this is sort of common uh, in, in our industry as far as knowledge goes but. You know, the, 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 the investment, the first real investment you make in, in this, in your security is the one that makes the biggest impacts because everything after a certain point becomes just incrementally tinier, yeah. but it's knowing where to put that first bit of investment, how much to put. And I think, I think John, people like yourself and, and, and from the, you know, from the attorney side and from the underwriter side are going to drive this industry. And I'm really interested to see what, how it goes, because quite frankly, the, the approach we've had so far doesn't work. Okay. Leaving it up to ourselves to govern ourselves and police ourselves to do better doesn't work. 
So if it's insurance that that makes us drive slower and and, and uh, not seat below belts. stop signs, seat belts, seat belts, right? If that's what makes us do it, okay, fine, I'm in. But then I got to say, okay, but we have to have we have to be data driven, yeah. and data driven only looks backwards and does not look forward. That's the next challenge for me when I look at it and go, all right, we we know how we've been getting hacked up until now. But what's the next thing? Like, what's the next thing that we need to do as a control? If we get everybody to this level and a ransomware stops this, starts disappearing, what's the next control that's going to bring on the next big tsunami that we're going to have? So anyway, food for thought, guys. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. It's been fun. Great show. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, John and Sean, <laughs> thanks for joining us, guys. We will be back for another show another time. And uh, we will catch you another time, another place on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. We hope you enjoy the content. We'll see you again. Bye-bye. As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag pound DTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Our website is whiterabbit.net, W-H-1-T-3-R-A-B-B-I-T.net. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast.